This is Be Your Own Hero, a Flow Athletic Podcast. Hi guys, welcome to Be Your Own Hero with myself, Kate Kendall, and Australia's number one personal trainer and all-round good guy, Ben Lucas. We make up, as well as a fabulous team, um, Flow Athletic. And we have today as our guest, Mandy Gunsberger. She is the founder and once was CEO of Babyology, Australia's largest digital publisher for parents. And with a social media following of 1.2 million Facebook fans, probably more by now, Babyology knows how to reach their audience of 20 to 45-year-old women. She's an entrepreneur who just happens to be a mum of three and so much more. Thank you so much for joining us, Mandy. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yes. I mean, life has changed hugely for you over the past couple of months. Um, And before we get into that, I guess a bit of background, like Mm -hmm. what is Babyology and why did you start it? How did it come about? Yeah, absolutely. So Babyology, I've just come out the other side two months ago, but um, it has been my business I launched 11 years ago. So it's been a huge chunk of my adult life. Um, I launched that when I had my first child and I was pregnant with my second child. So they were both um, under two at the time. And um, yeah, just moved back from San Francisco after living in Silicon Valley for a few years decided that I'd be on mat leave anyway, so it'd be a really good time to um, start a blog at the dining room table. People weren't really doing it here. So I launched a blog, Dining Room Table 2007, without a business plan or a model. That was the name of the blog? Yeah, the blog was Babyology. So it started as a blog. No one really knew what a blog was in 2007. And it really just evolved from there over the years. Um, it was just me for the first six months. And it was, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It started off very small and, you know, just I thought this is great. I'll build a business at night and while the kids are asleep and yeah, it just grew from there. Do you remember what a few of the early blogs were? What were a few of the posts? Yeah, a few of the early posts. So when we started it, we um, had the blog mainly be products. So our tagline was hip products for hip parents. Um, So it was all about, I built basically a spreadsheet when I was pregnant with my first of every single pram, cot and high chair in the world. Um, So it was an enormous spreadsheet, pivot table. I'm a Virgo, um, so I tend to over-research things. And um, I thought that would be, yeah, pivot table. I'll teach you later, okay? (laughs) And so, yeah, so I just thought other parents would want that type of resource. And, you know, I was right. So it was really all about products at first. And I probably only did the writing for about three months and then hired some writers because writing is not my skill. I'm not a journalist by trade. So, But uh, so you do have a Bachelor of Commerce. I do have a Bachelor of Commerce. So what, when you were going through your degree, what were you hoping to do with it? Apart from fit all my hours into one and a half days a week <laughs> at uni. So I did Bachelor of Commerce in hospitality. So it also meant quite a lot of cocktail making at uni. But yeah, so my, I wanted to come out and be in the hotel industry. So I originally left school when I was 16 because I thought I'd always wanted to be a chef. So I left school at 16. You know, parents were happy, found a great apprenticeship at Sheraton on the Park because I said you can only leave if you get an apprenticeship. Did that, don't, you know, as, don't tell as me. As a chef? As a, well, a 16-year-old, as a chef apprentice. Right. So did that for… <laughs> Peel of um, veggies. Yeah, exactly. 12 weeks, pretty much hit the nail on the head. After 12 weeks of peeling carrots, I went, this is bullshit. I'm going back to school and I'm going to end up in marketing and PR for hotels rather than on the inside. So I did that. So I went back to uni, got a degree, finished year 12, did all of that and ended up working in hotels for about eight years in Australia and in San Francisco in marketing, PR, sales, events. How was San Fran? 
amazing. Yep. It was amazing. We lived there from 2000 till 2004. So it was yep. a real dot-com amazing and time. And child-free at that Child-free. Yeah, so good. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that was my husband was in film at the time. So that's yep. where we moved there. I got work by working the system, you know, in hotels because by that point everyone was leaving regular jobs to go work for a company that would take you kayaking or play foosball in the office, you know, all that stuff. Um, but no, it was amazing. It was 20-year-olds driving around in Ferraris ordering a hamburger wow. and a $500 bottle of wine, you know, just phenomenal stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was great. So when we moved back here, I really started the blog thinking it would be a great online business to have with him in film and we'd end up in America. But he ended up leaving film and coming into babyology six years in, so... Did you have any idea that it was going to grow to – because, I mean, like that that many followers, what is it, like 1.2 million Facebook fans, did it happen quite organically and slowly over time or was it one of those things that like everyone started talking about it, mums to mums, media, and it just grew? Yeah, slowly. So I think all these things are slow and that's where I always say it was 11 years. So, you know, when you sell or when you come out the end like I have and there's a lot of media around it and people are like, oh, my God, it's amazing and she did so well, like it takes a very long time. You've got to be very dedicated and you've got to be patient. So, you know, three years in, I still think it wasn't the business we thought it would be. And as I said, my husband, it was in our seventh year of running it that he was able to leave his job because we needed the money because we weren't making enough money to have a family of five and all eggs in one basket. It was really, you know, slow and steady and we just kept tweaking and tweaking and making the right decisions. You know, we made a lot of wrong decisions, but we ended up making the right ones in the end to have the outcome that we needed. But yeah, we made a ton of mistakes along the way but we also the fact that we were still alive after 11 years in in an industry like digital media which is so fast moving um is pretty incredible you know considering we both don't have backgrounds in media i'm interested in the mistakes tell us what 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 were the biggest like that you can remember so biggest oh if i can remember yeah they're very top of mind um (laughs) (laughs) so the biggest ones over the last few years have been hiring so i think um you know, you always think you trust your gut and you know what you're doing. And, you know, probably six years in, we started to get advisors saying, you're sitting on this quite a big product here and you can really build it and make it grow and go international and build off all these revenue arms. And we were like, okay, let, let's do that. And so we started to listen to a lot of other people, whereas the first five or six years, we'd really done what we felt comfortable doing. So that was definitely a pitfall. We, I thought I could grow the business by hiring a lot of people. So we, I hired a general manager, I hired a director of sales director of implementation, spent a fortune on um, a very senior management team of which in the end didn't work out. I was too far away from the actual structure of the business um, and, you know, realised that I think I was far more involved than I had wanted to be. You know, I'd I'd been involved in the early years and thought I could get someone else to do that, probably do more of the strategy, but it just didn't work out. So that cost us a lot of money, a lot of pain. We did a lot of that through recruiters. So all of a sudden you've got a few hundred grand of recruiters bills. You know, it just, it was um, not something we should have done. And, um, you know, but that's okay. You live and learn. We ended up thinning out completely. We were up to 25 staff at that point. Um, and then we thinned back straight back down to about 15 who all reported back to me again. And it was it was fine. But yeah, the growth was very tricky. I think when you end up being like a medium-sized business and try and grow a lot bigger or, you know, franchise out and do all of that, you realise that actually the founders are very important and you often can't find people to replace yourself. Any other 
good ones? Any other good ones? Um, we tend to, um, as people say, fail fast. So although this one wasn't so fast, but um, but we thought it'd be a great idea to launch subscription boxes. So we're great at content. We're amazing at content, at video, at social. But we thought, oh, how hard can it be to sell product, you know, because we're in the baby industry. So normally before we do anything, we research the hell out of it at Virgo. Um, so, you know, I had 8,000 people saying they were interested in boxes, getting a subscription box before I even lifted a finger on what how that might work. Um, so then we were like, great, all these people want boxes. So we launched a website. I went out and I got a lot of product in that people would give us free. We'd send out these amazing pregnancy boxes of, you know, stuff for babies and mum and candles and what have you. And it was all amazing. It was making a lot of money for the first box and then by the time it came to the second box and we had more people signing up I started to realize that you don't get the really nice product the bigger you get so if we wanted to turn this into 100 or 150,000 people we'd be stuck with you know the big brands I won't name brands but you know not the really nice creative stuff that people want if they're going to spend $70 on a box a quarter um, and then also people started to have different age kids boys girls twins so then we had to look at a process of well how do we go and put different things in everyone's boxes because now they've got a boy, not a girl, and it just became an Messy. enormous headache. Yeah, So, but we'd sign people up for a year, as you do, because we were like, that's awesome. Sure. So, yeah, I think we just sent out the last boxes where I had to go buy product for them and cost me a lot of money. But, you know, you live and learn, and so it was fine. That was fine. And in a way, we learned from that that, you know, it's very hard to do a product business if you're um, – but it didn't mean that people would give us money. So um, I was very impressed by that. So it meant that we if we looked at doing some sort of content online, they would buy it. But it's just product is a very hard business to be in. Bit of a fail. <laughs> so a learning. Expensive <laughs> fail. Yeah. I think, you know, we want to get to, because this isn't necessarily your life now, but it's no. good to have a little bit of the background um, and, and then see the contrast of what you're doing now. But um, I would say intuitively, just from what I see in the media, that, um, you know, female-centric marketing and advertising and, and, and content is on the rise up and up and up without knowing any of the stats. Would you say that's true? 100%, yeah. And why? Like, why is it so much now? I think um, in the last... I've kind of ridden the wave over the last 10, 11 years and women... Um, are just becoming far bigger decision makers. So the stats are 80% of women make, um, well, no, women make 80% of the decisions, I should say, and that relates to cars, insurance, you know, everything. Women used to be seen as... Holidays. Holiday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Housing. Um, exactly. Let's keep the list going. Sounds like it's more than 80% in your situation, Ben. Um, but, yeah, no, absolutely, and I don't think that used to be the case. So that's where content and advertising and marketing towards women has changed. Women are in the workforce a lot more. They're having kids later. They're far more cluey when they are making those decisions. They're older. So marketing to women is um, becoming a much bigger thing out there, not just in Australia worldwide, but Australia specifically makes – they're making 80% of all decisions in the household. So you get – you get, I guess you get towards – more recently, mm -hmm. and I, I would assume that it was kind of um, simmering for a little while. When did you decide, okay, like it's been 11 years, I think that I'm ready for something else? And how am I going to do that? Yes. Um, so I don't think you ever get to a point where you just can plan it all. It all happens, you know, a sale or something like that happens 
quite organically sometimes. To be honest, we weren't looking at getting out and we weren't looking at selling. So the way it all happened for us is after um, 10 years of bootstrapping the business, which means we just paid for it out of our own money. That's a whole other podcast. But um, but yeah, so we did that. We then decided to really make this thing happen. We were going to get funding. So I spent about a year of my life going out to market in Sydney, Melbourne, doing over 60 presentations on the business, raising a million dollars, which was all very exciting. We were finally letting investors in. And um, once you learn how it all works, we got a term sheet, which was great. But it means someone says to you, we're putting in half a million now, you go back out there and you find the rest of the money. And I was like, oh, okay, back out I go. So I went back out there, got a few other people interested. And then those investors started murmuring about um, potential acquisition. And would that be something we would look at? Whereas I still thought we had a good three or four years to go to build and sell. So then I got an advisor on um, and we went out to market to all different media um, and non-media and we ended up getting some pretty good offers and that's what really, that's how it happened. Um, You know, we weren't looking to sell, we weren't looking for a buyer, but sometimes investment turns into a sale, turns into a buyer. And then I'm just particularly lucky, most people are you have to stay on for quite a while, you get an earn out. So, you know, I always knew that I'd be bought for a couple of years, but they actually just let me go um, straight away. So I'm particularly lucky in that we sold and I get to move on and do whatever I want to do without watching my baby and my company being put into another place and, you know, tweaked and moved and pivoted, which is often quite hard to watch. I know if I put myself in your shoes and I'm sure Benny, you'd probably say the same or maybe not. like just stepping away after being with the business for that long and it being your baby, was it like, yep, easy, done? Or or I know for me it would be more like, ah, this is hard like, to give up and to give away and to give someone else a responsibility to. Like that's... Yeah. Look, you know, I, to be honest, I'm still working through it all. It's only been about eight weeks since we uh, sold. Still letting but, go, um, finger by finger. Yeah, exactly. But no, but it is, it's good. We came out of a very, very tough patch where we were raising, you know, raising money or selling and running a business at the same time is probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do because while you're out there funding or out there selling or doing whatever, which does take a good 12 to 18 months, if your numbers aren't going up and your profit's not going up and your staff's not happy, anyone can walk away. So you're literally doing two jobs at once. So I completely fried myself and my family and my husband and everyone in the process. So I think then walking away becomes a bit easier from that perspective. Like I don't think I could have kept going for that many more months on the path that I was going on with business. But it has been difficult, I have to say. Like it it is my baby and I still out there, all I do is talk about the business because I'm used to it. It's not mine anymore, but I just constantly send over leads because I'm like, oh my God, you want to reach women. You have to work with babyology. Like it's not my business. It's fine. But yeah, it was hard. And I think a bit of it's also bruised egos. So, you know, they let me go immediately. And I was like, but you know what? Do you need me? Yeah, Yeah. you must need me. You must need my relationships. You must need my knowledge. You must need And my husband too. He was COO, all the processes, but they really just felt it was easier to go we're in charge now which is you know great once I look back at that I go that's amazing because I've only heard horror stories of staying on when you're not in charge and you've got you know other bosses on top of you in what used to be you know your baby so it's it's all for the best and it's great but I think there was a bit of the oh how, how can they do this without me you know so it was like a nice clean breakup it was a huge clean breakup and that's why we jumped on a plane a week later <laughs> <laughs> And you got three beautiful girls, mm-hmm. mini, mini Mandy clones. Do you look like mini Mandy? <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you 
juggle family work like I've got one beautiful baby boy and I struggle trying to fit that all in mm. times that by three how did you go yeah, with that it's um that's why I haven't seen me at gym very often <laughs> but it's no it's it is a struggle it's a huge struggle to do what you want with work and what you want with the kids like you know people say you can have it all I do find it hard to think you can have it all to the degree you want it all like I always felt like I wasn't working enough or hence 11 years in a business like who does that like next business will be four years in and out it took a very long time because I had three small children and I mean my girls are still only 11 10 and 5 so still you know heavily rely on us um you know a supportive partner has been one thing we completely, I wouldn't even say, you know, I look after them. We completely co-parent the girls. I travelled a lot for work. Um, you know, it's not like it's my responsibility to cook or clean or do anything. We're completely co-parenting these girls, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really hard. And, you know, I think of the early years when they were babies and, you know, I can't remember even how I used to work. You know, I'd, I'd stop, they'd come home from daycare or school or whatever, and I'd be with them from three till seven. Then I'd work every night from seven till 11. And that's just the routine we got into. Um, but, you know, I think we always knew that we were building, by that point, we knew we were building something bigger. And if I wasn't doing that, really, what would you do at home at night if you have small kids Between other than watch 11? Netflix? Exactly. <laughs> so I missed out on a few TV shows. But, you know, and it wasn't relaxing. That's when I did most of my work was kind of, that was a a good 20 hours a week um, was at nights and, and when they slept, like mine were really good sleepers and I used to exhaust them all morning to make sure they had like a three-hour <laughs> nap. You know, I was one of those, yeah, like everyone in bed from 12 to 3, mum's got phone calls. Um, so, yeah, and that's just what we, I'm just, I wouldn't know how to do it any other way. And to be honest, I'm, even though now I've got the three girls and I'm still doing a lot of mentoring and I'm out and about, I feel like every day is a holiday because I'm used to doing so much more that having three kids now and running a house just seems quite simple, you know, compared to not having 20 staff to look after yep. and the rest of it. Yeah. But it's, it, yeah, it was, it was hard. It's, yeah, it's hard. And then, so what's next do you see? De I'll definitely go again. It's amazing yep. short-term memory because six months ago I was like, I will never do this again. <laughs> like, not in a million years will I put us all in this situation. But now I'm already getting itchy feet. Um which having spoken to quite a few other entrepreneurs, this is a time when you start to want to go back into it and then you go, no, no, I really need a break. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't know. At the moment I'm giving back a lot, so helping a lot of young businesses, helping a lot of female founders, mentoring a lot, advising a lot, because I was helped a lot along the way mm. with all the organisations. Um, number one's looking after my mental health and fitness and all of that because over the last year I've let all of that go um, just because I just had to do what I had to do to get sure. through every day to make the business and the kids work. Like, you know, you always put yourself at the very end of that. So that's my pretty much my top priority. And then, yeah, I think probably February next year we'll, um, we'll go again. So we'll see what happens. We're also going to move to Italy for a year next um, August. So that's all. I'm planning all of that right now. Always loved Italy. Um, I feel it would be really good for the kids to be in a school over there and just we can plan the next thing, consult from there, work a little bit. Um, you know, compared to living in Sydney, it's really cheap. So, you know, I'm thinking we'll actually make money while we're there rather than <laughs> living in Paddington. Um, so, yeah, no, so really I've been saying we'll be doing it for years and years and years and I so thought we would have sold the business yeah. five years ago and now my children, one's starting high school next year, so the family is not on board with the move. But I'm <laughs> Slowly, got my 11-year-old threatening to board at her high school. But, um, but no, everyone's coming with and it will be excellent. 
Where in Italy? So the international school we want to put them in is in Florence. So yeah. we've got Tuscany. So, uh, so, so we'll have good. a big villa. Anyone who wants to. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yep. Next fall athletic retreat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mandy's knock, house. Knock, knock. <laughs> so you're doing mentoring yes. for entrepreneurs. That's an yep, amazing. For lots thing. of entrepreneurs. So I've had a lot of people reach out to um, me and happy to help where I can on social media or in anything really. Cap raising, selling a business, hiring staff. I'm pretty much an open book at the moment because I've made a lot of mistakes and it's really hard out there. So, um, yeah, if any, if I can help anyone. I'm a young female entrepreneur. What's your advice to me? You're, you're young. Okay, let me just visualise that. <laughs> bit of hair. Uh, yeah. Maybe a bigger chest. Yeah, oh, not, not really. Of, no, chest is not that bad. Big chest. Yeah. <laughs> so young, I'd say, you know, you get, as a young female entrepreneur, you get told you can't do it a lot. And, you know, if you want to have kids and it's really hard and, you know, there are a lot of um, young girls out there doing amazing things and I'd say just do it. You know, I'm, I went to uni. I don't know if I'd push my three kids to go to uni. I think if you want to get something done, just go do it. You know, in, in a way, the less you think about it, and the less you plan and the less you strategize, um, you know, you get there a lot faster because the, the otherwise all of that stuff can hold you back quite a bit. So I think, you know, if you've got a bit of cash, I'd do it quite young because I think the older you are, the harder it is to start a business once you've got a mortgage and kids and things. But, you know, palm off your mum and dad for a bit longer and start a business and see where it ends up. Great advice. <laughs> and uh, the being the Be Your Own Hero podcast, do you have any heroes? Maybe. Do I have heroes? I do. I have, um, you know, they're more mentors that have been there to me, but the, I'll forever be grateful to the few people who I can hands down say have gotten me through the last 11 years, probably more than a few people. Um, but, yeah, I've just had great, amazing women in my life, um, yeah, mostly women who have just, you know, they just hold you up when you're crumbling and when you're saying you can't go anymore. You know, I had someone sit me down recently in a cafe and said, this is your rope-a-dope moment, like, from Muhammad Ali. Like, you pick yourself up and you just go get this shit done because I was like, I just can't do it anymore. And she was like, you go do it. Like, I think I just ordered, like, Lubner and eggs. And she's like, you just ordered yoghurt and eggs in a cafe, like that's something's going on and you need to just pick yourself up and go get this shit done. And then I was like, yeah, we sold the business. So <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to have people like that who can yeah. just say, just keep doing it. I know you don't No one to, ever does anything on their own. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no, the number of offices I've cried in over the years, it's been quite a lot, so. We talked a little bit about your failures and just mm. I've got like one more question before we get into your lightning round. Um, what stands out is like, okay, I've, can I say fuck? Yeah. I fucking rocked it. Like uh, that was my biggest standout moment so far. What is is there is there an, a moment, a big success? Yeah, apart from the sale where I still kind of wake up and go, oh my god, we fucking did it. Oh, I just I can swear as well. You can okay, totally, all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, um, yeah. So I, you know, that's still this moment where we go, oh my god, after all this hell, we actually did it because a lot of people just don't get to do that. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've met just some of my biggest uh, people I've always wanted to meet, like I've met Oprah, I've met Jamie Oliver, like I've met Sarah Jessica Parker all through the business. So people like that, you know, Oprah was like my hero. I wasn't really meant to meet Oprah, but I did go to a private um, thing that where she was at. I was at the big opera house thing and then invited myself to a 10-person press conference. But that was amazing, got to hug her. That's not sugar to yeah. Dakota, you stalked her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit maybe. Jamie Oliver, I was invited to sit next to him and then we managed to do this great Jamie Oliver partnership with Babyology 
like everything's about has always been about work for me. Um, but yeah, so some of those moments you just go, oh my god, and some of the travel we've been able to do through the business, you know, taking the kids to God knows Four Seasons hotels all over the world, and you know, I I never did any of that as a kid, so I feel like they've had this phenomenal experience through the business, which has been amazing. Like we've definitely lived a life beyond our means because we've had the business. And I think often you look at the financial stuff in the business, but you don't look at what the non-financial stuff is. So the fact I was able to be around them, you know, I pretty much, even though my hours were mental and longer than the average hours, you still get to make your own hours. Um, so, you know, all of that is non-financial stuff. So I actually have a big list of all the babyology amazing stuff for when times got really bad. I'd be like, but this is all amazing stuff. So, yeah. Very fruitful life. Mm. Mm. It's very inspiring. Mandy, I've just got a couple of questions that I'm going to throw at you. Okay. Mm. <laughs> uh, as long or short as you'd like. Okay. What's your morning routine? At the moment is lying in bed. Like I used to be a super morning person and be at gym and do all this stuff at 6am. But I think my body and my mind is so exhausted that I can now just lie in bed till eight o'clock. You're in, in recovery. In I'm completely in recovery. Like I think my brain works slower. I walk slower. I just, after being so adrenaline and pumped for so long, um, yeah, I just find it really hard to move in the morning. But that's where I'd love to get back to being, you know, energetic. Yay, it's 5.30am. Let's do stuff. Um, yeah, met a friend for a walk this morning, 6.20. We sat on a bench for most of it. <laughs> so it wasn't, wasn't necessarily You're still outside. Walk. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favourite book? Um, no, I, I have to say I don't read, so I've never had time for books. Any apps, favourite apps? Um, nope, um, not really. I'm just trying to think apart from, you know, Uber that I use constantly because I don't have a car. But, um, but, yeah, no, my life is very much about I filled it with babyology and the kids and the house and there was really not a lot of room for other stuff in there. But now I'm starting to read books and listen to podcasts and all that, but I missed that whole window. Your favourite place that you've been in the world, be it for work or otherwise? Yep, Maldives, definitely. We've been there twice and it's, yeah, like no other. And what advice would you give your 16-year-old self? Gosh, 16-year-old self who left school to be a chef and that never really worked out. Um, and did we have a conversation at one stage about you being potentially, your first business when you were like... Yeah. We were at the Telstra Business Awards yes. and you were being nominated and didn't you talk about um, being an entrepreneur for, mm. from a really young age and selling yeah. cupcakes? Yeah, I did. No, I used to, um, I was working full time and I thought it'd be a great idea. I'd just come up with ideas and just do them without thinking a lot. Um, so don't take all my advice. But, um, but yeah, I thought it'd be great to do these cupcakes. Like I'd just come back from America and there were scones. Remember in it's Starbucks, like triangular scones. So I thought it'd be great to sell them to cafes in the area. So I did that, but I had a full time job. And so then I just when was I going to bake? So I was up all night baking because I thought I was going to be the next like Byron Bay cookie company. But yeah, after about three weeks of baking, I went, this is not going to work. So yes. So yeah, I've had a, a lot of fails, a relocation company fail, uh, you know, all sorts of different things along the way. But yeah, I used to sell my sister toys in our room when I was very little um, until mum found us and then... Always a pusher. That. Yeah, and always a pusher. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, I did. I used to sell her pieces from Monopoly. but And she was older, so I thought that was quite impressive that I got her to buy things from me that she probably owned already. But. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so mm. advice you 16-year-old self. Yes. Sorry, before I interrupted. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, so yeah, so I'd say... Um, 
says 16, still at school, I'd say, you know, get as much of an education as you think you need, but I don't think let education hold you back. So, you know, I was very much handed a university syllabus and said, pick a career. Um, whereas I think, you know, if, if you've got something else, if you know people, if you want to do something, it never hurts to try. Um, so, yeah, I'd say just go for it. Great. Thank you, Mandy. You're amazing. Thanks Thank so much. You. Thank you for being oh, one of our heroes and for joining us today. And Thank good you. luck with everything Thank you. in the future. We can't Very wait exciting. to see what exciting. comes up next. Yay. See you in Italy. See you in Italy, yeah. Hello, <laughs> thing in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Subscribe to Be Your Own Hero on iTunes and find out more from Ben and Kate at flowathletic.com.au.